Today's scripture reading is from Isaiah 26, 19. Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Well, good morning. Before we get into our time in the Word, I just want to know, you don't have to shout out what it is, but just by a show of hands, uh, I want to lead us in prayer this morning. Just by a show of hands, who walked through the door with, like, a heavy burden from this week? Yeah, so some of you, and some of you are probably embarrassed to admit it, but most of you probably. Let me pray for us, because I did too. I walked through the door this morning with a heavy burden. Um, Father God, you are good and gracious, and we know that you love us, but um, the circumstances in our lives can bog us down and cloud our vision so that we are not walking by faith, um, but we are walking by sight and the things and the problems we see in front of us every day. And we come into this place together as your people for um, a few moments to gather to sing in hope, so God, that you will touch us, that we will feel your presence, that we will experience your power and be equipped to face the problems in our lives, the burdens we carry. But this morning, oh God, we pray and we ask that you would help us to lay our burdens down. Help us at this very moment, all of us gathered together as you people, not just here, but all of those who follow Jesus Christ all across the world to lay their burdens down before you. And Father, we pray that Instead, we would take the encouragement, comfort, and hope that only the gospel of Christ can offer and promise. Even now, as we spend some time in your word, bless us, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, I've shared before about the ongoing saga of the squirrels on my lawn. And it occurred to me that these small Rodents' entire enterprise revolves around their future orientation. They are thinking about the future, the energy they spend digging up my lawn and burying nuts through the fall and the winter. And then in the spring and the summer, trying to dig up those nuts. But nature has failed to make them very efficient. The University of Richmond in Virginia studied the issue and found that they forget about 70 to 80% of the nuts where they buried them. What's that? Well, fortunately, they bury so many that the small stash they do find, they're able to live off of, but I am grieved in the process as I see, you know, the holes everywhere. The countless holes in my lawn are the result of their poor memories. Um, the whole thing isn't an exercise in futility completely, but about 80% of it is, remarkably. Now, as humans, we would be devastated to find out or experience that 80% of our efforts were meaningless or pointless. And we try to avoid 
spending our time doing things that are meaningless and pointless, don't we? Um, we get upset if we're on hold. And I know it's happened to every one of you. you. Maybe you call the phone company or the bank or somebody important and you're on hold for 40 minutes and you, the phone line, the, the call drops. You know, yes ma'am, yes sir, let me transfer you. And in the transfer you lose the call and you've wasted 40 minutes of your life. And maybe you'll call back angry saying, do not put me on hold or you just give up. And you just realize I've just wasted that time and it's 40 minutes of your life you'll never get back. And we don't like to live that way. We don't like to do things like that because our time is valuable. We don't want to waste our time doing things that don't have lasting benefit. We exercise and we eat right because, well, it's got a lasting cumulative effect. We'll live longer. We'll live healthier lives if we exercise and eat right. It's not guaranteed. Right? You could die of cancer or prematurely in a car accident, but we're not willing to wager with our lives in the event that those things don't happen. And so we don't want to waste our time. Well, for some people, living for God feels like a wager, a kind of cosmic insurance. And a French philosopher named Blaise Pascal framed it just that way. You may have heard of Pascal's Wager. Just raise your hands if you've ever heard of Pascal's Wager. Well, he said that if you believe in God and God exists, there is infinite gain. Okay? You believe in God and God exists, there's infinite gain. If he doesn't exist, there is only finite loss. On the flip side, if you don't believe in God and God exists, there is infinite loss, Pascal said, and for some people, that is all the rationale they need to live for God. They say, hey, if God doesn't exist, uh, I don't lose anything. I've at least spent my life living a good moral existence, a good loving life. But I've got to be honest with you, <clears throat> I'm not okay with that. I don't like Pascal's wager, and I don't like the idea that I would spend my entire life working hard and living a certain way, very intentional, for a God that may exist. I don't, I don't like that idea. I don't, I, don't, I don't like the idea of sort of like, I'll go through all of this, I'll endure all of this, because the Christian life can be hard. It's beautiful, and it's also hard. And the idea that I would go through all this because maybe God exists and it's just sort of cosmic insurance, I don't like that. And neither does the Apostle Paul. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul is speaking to Christians who are doubting that there is anything after this life. They are wrestling with the certainty that anything awaits us when we die. 1 Corinthians 15, this chapter, if you've never read it, read it, read it sometime. It is a deep dive into the theology of resurrection. So... Everything we know, I mean, the Bible says very little about the afterlife, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is, it's the magnum opus 
by the Apostle Paul about life after death, about the resurrection. It's Paul's defense of Christ's resurrection as the bedrock of Christian hope. And it's the guarantee that Paul gives all followers of Christ of our own future resurrection. This is Paul's rationale, that the consequences of sin is death, right? Death came into the world as a result of sin, and the resurrection from the dead breaks the power of sin. It's a simple argument. It's very deep. Maybe you've never heard it articulated that way before. But without the resurrection from the dead, Paul argues we're still in our sins. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, essentially what happened on the cross was meaningless. If we are not going to rise from the dead one day, this, this life offers very little hope because we're still in our sins if death is sort of the dead end of our existence because death is the power of sin. And Paul tells them that without the hope of the resurrection, this is the Corinthians now, this life is absurd. And you might as well do whatever you want if you don't really believe in the resurrection. Verse 32, Paul says, he's sort of teasing out the implications of this idea if there is no resurrection. Look at what he says. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. In other words, What are we wasting our time for? (laughs) If the resurrection isn't a certainty, don't don't come to church, don't live as a Christian, go do whatever you want. Party it up. Live your best life now. Do whatever you want. If there is no resurrection, if there is no certainty that Christ rose from the dead and we will rise from the dead and live into eternity, this is Paul's logic. And the reason it's the heart, what I've called this sermon this morning, the hardest truth in the Bible, is it forces Christians like us, followers of Jesus like us, to confront what we really believe and why we're really living this Christian life. Why we're really living for God. Sure, some of it's cultural, and some of you young people here, you were raised in the church. And so in some sense, when people say, why are you a Christian, Jordan? My first answer is, well, I was raised a Christian. That's number one. And number two is the grace of God. But at some point, I transitioned to, I wasn't just raised going to church. I transitioned to a place where I received Christ from the heart because I really believed it. And you have to really believe it. But there are a lot of people who are sort of growing, just going through the motions. And Paul's logic works this way. He essentially says, why did I put up with those beasts at Ephesus? He's referring to people who fought him and his ministry and his preaching of the gospel and his patience and love toward his enemies and the hardship and the trials he had to endure. He says, if there's no resurrection, that is Paul's end game. And that should be our end game too. He wants us to think the same way. Why put up with life's difficulties if it's not all for the resurrection? Why endure hardship and trials and suffer long with difficult people and be faithful through it all? Paul is forcing us to think, think through it and really confront the meaning of it all. The, that this life, no matter how beautiful it can be at times, is not enough of a reward 
for all that we go through, Paul is saying. But hope in the world to come is. You get that? This life can be beautiful. It can be. And a, a, a weekend backpacking trip for me is about as beautiful as it can get or a, a beautiful drive with my wife on a Saturday afternoon when the sun is shining, you know, and the top is down. But life, the, the beauties of this life and this world are not enough, Paul is saying, to give us hope. It's not enough to really sustain hope. Now, if you want to know what it's like to have hope in this life only, with no hope of the resurrection, no hope of an afterlife, there's an article in the Atlantic magazine that's pretty telling. It's titled, What Do Atheists Think of Death? You ever heard of the Atlantic magazine? It's an article, What Do Atheists Think About Death? They were invited to weigh in, and there's multiple you know, contributions, but here's one of them. This is an atheist, okay? I have always felt that when I die, I'm dead and gone. My conscious life will end. My interactions with others will end, and I will simply be gone. I don't know what causes consciousness, but I will expect that it too will end. My afterlife will be only in the memories of those I know and knew who loved me, those who carry me on in their hearts, but I myself will cease to exist. This is actually more and more common today, the idea that people um, have made peace with the fact that when they die, they will simply cease to exist. And to live on as it were, Carl Sagan was the first one to phrase it that way, eternal life means to live on in the memories of those we love. Well, I got to tell you, you know, you may live on in the memories of your children and grandchildren, but, you know, three, four, five generations out, you're gone. Your great, great, great grandkids will not care about you, just like you don't care or know anything about your great, 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 great grandparents. You'd like to, maybe, but the truth is you'll have no, you'll just be a name or, you know, pictures on Instagram, your selfies by that time, maybe. And I don't doubt that some of them have made peace with this idea that when you die, that's it, you're gone. But it is an utterly miserable idea. It is an utterly miserable idea. If you're an ant, you don't care. If you're a termite, it doesn't matter. But if you're a sentient being like we are, human beings, it gives you utterly zero comfort as you get older and approach the end of your life. It is an utterly hopeless idea. Now, maybe if we all lived thousands of years like elves in Lord of the Rings or something, you know, we'd be okay with the fact that, you know, when we die, that's it because we've been alive for 2,000 years. But, we, but our lives are brief. They're, they're, they're just poof. They're so brief. I remember talking with my father once about age before he died, and he said to me, I blinked and I was 75. Psalm 103 says, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. Life is so very short. Today we have strength, but tomorrow we'll be frail. And when we look in the mirror every single day, we're reminded that we're decaying. 
and not getting any younger. And life is running on faster and faster, isn't it? And it's enough to make you feel a sense of hopelessness about it all. Maybe that's you this morning. Are you one of those persons who feels hopeless? What's the point of it all? You live with a sense of dread about your life. You feel like, what am I living for? There are multitudes of people living today who don't have any hope. They have no hope about their marriage. They have no hope about their children. They have no hope about their health, their finances, their job, about their future, their profession. They have no hope about life itself. So where are you in life if you don't have hope? You're lost. That's where you are. And you've given up. You're just going through the motions. Maybe you feel that way this morning. Maybe you've lost hope. But you know, that's never the intention of Almighty God, is it? God intends for us to have goals in our life, to have a sense of confidence and assurance that our lives are heading somewhere. That the things we do have a much bigger purpose and that life is not in vain and that living is not in vain. If there is no hope of the life beyond, then there is no meaning in ultimately in anything we do, ultimately, other than whatever little temporary fleeting meaning we give life. And this is actually why our culture is crying right now, why there is such incredible anxiety in our culture right now, because as we've detached ourselves from the idea of what God says our lives are, we're stuck and left to make meaning personally out of every individual experience and guess what? It's exhausting. It's overwhelming. It'll tear your soul out of you if you believe that it's up to you to make meaning out of every little experience. Even your identity functions that way. People are tearing their lives apart as they're trying to reinvent their identity all the time. God has spoken over us. God has spoken to us. God has told us where, not just our lives, but where the world is headed. Because if all of this is heading somewhere, then guess what? Everything we do, every little thing you do, has meaning. From changing the baby's diapers, to paying the light bill, to being kind to your neighbor, it all matters. It all matters. It all has meaning. It all has eternal significance. It has infinite value because an infinite God sees it all and notices it all and is recording it all. Maybe you don't think of your life that way. God is seeing my life. God is recording my life. God sees every little thing I do and God is recording it. That's a comforting and a scary thought. It's scary if you don't have Christ and you're not trusting in the righteousness of Christ. But it's comforting knowing that God bottles up every tear. That every heartache, every heartbreak, every disappointment, that God sees it and one day will reward us for persevering in him. 
There is a reward for our faith. There is a reward for persevering. It all matters. Pascal was right about one thing. There is infinite gain in living for God. Not least of which is the hope that we have. Look at how much scripture encourages us with this hope. 1 Peter 1 and 3. Blessed be the God of our Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In him, the Gentiles hope. Paul says in Acts 23, it is respect, with respect to the hope of the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're bold in our faith because we have hope. Because no one can take that hope from us. And so we're bold. We proclaim Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord because we know he is carrying us into eternity and will bring us up on the last day at the resurrection. We're bold because of it. We don't need to be ashamed in this life. We don't need to be afraid. Every successful endeavor and every endeavor that fails, God is taking it all together in his goodness and grace. Through Christ, we're carried into this, the next life. And God wants you to know this morning that life is not hopeless. The certainty of the resurrection means that this life has meaning, that your life has meaning and purpose and hope and God, God is working all things for your good and for his glory as his child. Just like every one of you parents, does, there, does everything in your power for the good of your children, even though at times they can't see it, even though at times they may resent you for it? One day I think every child wakes up and is able to see if a parent truly did things to their benefit. And the reason I think this is the hardest truth in the Bible is because it forces us to confront our doubts. This statement from Paul that if we have hope in Christ in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied, it forces you to confront your doubt. God doesn't want us to serve him as some cosmic insurance backup plan. Like, ah, I go to church, and I just try to be a good person in case he exists. Paul is saying, hey, that's not the name of the game here. That, that's not the way we ought to live. That's not the way we should live. He wants us to live confidently. God wants us to endure every day knowing he sees it all, he hears it all, and it all matters because it really is part of a bigger plan that God has for your life, an eternal plan. God wants you to live with intentionality because we've determined and been persuaded in our hearts that Christ has broken the power of sin that sin will not keep you from the resurrection, keep you in the grave, keep you in hell. 
Christ has defeated death and will raise us up at the last day. Maybe you don't think of your life that way that everything matters. Maybe you think, you know, some things matter, some don't. But the word we have, the word of hope that we have here is that it all matters. Nothing is wasted with God, nothing. He is right now using every experience and every circumstance for his glory and for your eternal good. And this is the pain of life, isn't it? That we cannot always see what God is up to, nor can we always see the benefit of our current trials and sufferings. We are not able to see with the vision that God has, which is the the panoramic of heaven to see your life past, present, and future and know that it's all working for good. We're atomized in the moment and we wrestle in the moment and people take their own lives because of the pain in the moment. But if they could only see with the eyes of faith and have the confidence of that hope. And so my purpose this morning is to give you hope. Hope in Jesus, hope in the resurrection, hope in the certainty of eternal life, that everything you're going through right now matters. And it, it all matters to God. Every experience, every thought, every pain is important. And if you believe in Christ, if you accept Christ, if you follow Christ, if you know where your life is heading, you have that hope. And when things become hard or discouraging, They're never hopeless because the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us to live eternal lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you now, O God, for the hope of the resurrection, the hope of Christ's atoning death and victory over the consequences of our sin, which is death. As we approach Easter in just a few weeks, Let us head into this time of year, this season, with resurrection hope. Let our week, as we leave out of here today, be filled with the confidence of our calling as your people. To live intentionally as followers of Jesus in whatever calling our life has given us. Whether we're single or married, whether we have children, whether we're retired or have careers, whether we're alone, that we would live with the deliberate intentionality that everything we do matters for Christ. Fill us now with that hope and confidence. In his name we pray, amen.